Song number 32. on 
Turn your Bibles to Titus chapter 2. There is a section of scripture that I have chosen for us to memorize this week. While you're turning there, it is a privilege for Alma and I to be here. We have traveled today about six, seven hours to come. It was a beautiful, beautiful day. And we have the opportunity to be with people of like precious faith. We have the privilege to look at hundreds of scriptures this week. I get the privilege of study this week, of going through my Bible and picking out verses to share with you. And I just pray that together we might be a person that would be willing to, to grow. You know, a child is at a certain age wanting to be older than he is. And he wants to be taller than he is. I prayed that I would be six foot tall because my dad was six foot tall. And either he spanked me enough or my prayer worked, I did get six foot two. So the reality is that we grow at a rate and I couldn't be six foot two at 10 years old or 12 years old. I had to, to go through some processes to get to that and God allowed that. But Alma, she on the other hand, she's only five feet. So we kind of have the long and the short of it. We do have four children. We have five children, four boys and one girl, five children total. Uh, two of them have their families in New York. Two of them have their families in Tennessee. And one is single and living in Pennsylvania. Are you at Titus chapter 2? Let us memorize this week verses 11 to 15. So if you will stand with me, we're going to read this out loud together. And we're going to see what it has to say for us. Begin. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. We're going to have to slow down just a little bit so we can memorize this. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Titus 2. 11 to 15. You may be seated. And if you write in your Bible, I have something for you to write beside these verses. I have a well-written up Bible. If you choose not to, I respect that. But verse 11, I have written beside it, universal provision. That means anybody has the opportunity to have the grace of God that brings salvation. Universal provision. Beside verse 12, universal holiness. Everyone is being asked to be holy before a holy God. We have temptations and we have trials. We fail. But maybe get up and maybe go on. May we leave our sin at the cross. When we leave our sin at the cross of Jesus, we are holy. That's the promise. And so when we talk about revival meetings, the only thing that hinders revival is sin. 
That's the only thing. And when we are aware of something, God will speak to us. He'll, he'll help us how to deal with that, how to lay it at the cross, and to go on and say we're going to live in a holy way. Universal holiness. Verse 13, universal hope. You and I hope for the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, and it's okay with me if it comes at any time. Would you be ready tonight if Jesus said, it's your time? Would it be okay for the angels of heaven to call out and say, come, come. Universal hope. Verse 14, universal gift. Speaking of Jesus, who gave himself that he might redeem us from all iniquity, redeem us from all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. We're going to talk a lot about Jesus this week. In fact, that's all we're going to talk about. And we're going to pick texts out of the book of Luke for each night, Lord willing, and we're going to look at a Jesus teaching. We're just going to look at it. Say, what's he say? What's it mean? Now, the purpose for revival meetings... I've written out on a piece of paper that's back there on the table. You can pick one up. Some of the purposes is to examine ourselves, to stir ourselves, to have new resolve, time of confession and repentance. Some of it might be public. Some of it might be private. But thirdly, a time of the word pointing us to God. There's some questions there that you can look at for yourself. And then on the back, there's also a little bit of spiritual thermometer that you can look at and just kind of analyze where you're at. I don't know you. You don't know me, but you're going to learn a lot about me this week, not because I want myself to be learned about. I want you to see my weaknesses and see how that God has continued to train me and he's continued to guide me. And I can only share my stories. Normally, Normally, uh, you remember a speaker by some of the stories that he says, right? And I want you to remember more than just the story, but the story is to illustrate, just like Jesus used parables to illustrate, stories that are going to relate to the text, I take billboard calls for Christian Aid Ministries billboards. I do that full time. And so I have new stories about that every day. Now, this week I'm not taking those calls, but I'll have stories from them. But I'll share stories for myself to how how God has been working in my life. And so I pray that you'll be able to be here. I pray you'll be able to bring friends and you'll be able to be here and say, God, I want something from from you. You know, one of us can become a piece of kindling wood. You know what kindling wood does? It starts the big chunk of wood, right? Piece of kindling wood. We started a fire out in our woods for hot dogs. Had it in an enclosure, and the wind picked up. And it kind of got into my wood pile. And I didn't know it was into my wood pile. I, it, it, 
it picked up and it started to rain. And as it rained, I told our neighbors, you come into the house, we'll eat inside. And we kind of figured the rain will put the fire out, but the wind picked up and took it into my wood pile. And an hour and a half later, we looked out, said goodbye to them, and we looked out, and here the flames were 10 feet high off my wood pile. Okay, wouldn't that be great if we could set each other on fire in the sense of the spiritual openness? May we be an open person, not that we want to be a person that is uh, unguided. We want to be guided by the Spirit of God. Let's just pray. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be together in this way this evening, and we trust this week. And I pray that your word would be life to us, minister to us, wherever we are, whatever our needs are. God, I don't know these people. I really don't know what the needs are, but I'm thankful that you're going to speak to them, and you're going to give them what they need. And I pray that I, too, would be refreshed, and that I would be able to say that there's been growth because of this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 12. And I've entitled the message simply, Trust. The word trust. We have people in our lives that we do not trust. But I hope we have some people in our life that we do trust. In Luke chapter 12, we have here... Jesus speaking about us and what things we worry about, what things we get all upset about. So entitled it, Trust, and asked the question, where is my trust? Can I trust in the provisions that God has for me, for us, or am I trying to do something else on my own? Are you with me there in Luke chapter 12? Let's start reading verse 22. And he, Jesus, said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat, neither for the body what you shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you with taking thought can add to his stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Oh, the world is seeking after all kinds of things. And I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, there's nothing out there. I take calls every day to the tune of 25 to 35 calls a day, and people are looking for something. There is nothing out there that will bring lasting peace. 
They're trusting in themselves to make something of their life. But guess what? God has created us for a relationship with him. And without that relationship with him, we are empty. We're just spinning our wheels. There's things that appeal to us. There's things that get our attention. They sidetrack us. But after a bit, the consequences of following that is emptiness. And people are calling on the phone and they're, they're saying, you know, I'm 20 years old and I've been on drugs and I've been on alcohol and I've been through rehab and I don't have anywhere else to go. And I'm 20 years old. I might as well just jump off the bridge. Young men, your age. Young lady, your age. Half my callers are between the age of 13 and 28 years old. And some of them are saying, I'm standing on the edge of a bridge and I'm ready to jump off. You got anything to tell me yet? Empty. It comes back to here. This verse says, people are striving after all kinds of things. They're worried about what they wear. They're worried about what they eat. They're worried about what they have. The world is running after things. Jesus said, yeah, we have need of all those things. But he's saying, trust me. Isn't that really what he was saying here? Trust me. He said, don't worry about those things. He said, seek first the kingdom of God. We're all only a breath away from death. Only a breath. The mercies of God are new every day. That's for the just and the unjust. What's that mean? Without God, we wouldn't be here. Nobody would be here. I wish I could make a list of the mercies of God on my life today. I know a few of those things. Safety, health and strength, his mercies that we didn't get in that thing there on 81 today. You know the trouble that was out there in 81 with that accident? Traffic backed up. I decided this morning, I guess I'm not going to come down 81. I think I'll just come 220 today. I had no idea what was going on over there in 81. Yeah, I think God led that. I mean, we could have. Are God's mercies new to you every day? It says they are. And the thing about hell is hell's going to be a place where there's no mercy of God. And so if you want to see a day that is without the mercy of God, think about the description of hell. It's the presence of God has been removed from people's lives. But there are people today that are acting without God in their life. They're not trusting God. And then we as Christians, we come here and we say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm worried this might happen to me. You know, I'm getting older. Maybe, maybe this is going to happen to me. Well, yeah, I'm going to die someday. You're going to die someday. 100% of us are going to die someday. Is that all right? I mean, 100%? Yeah, I put my tombstone up the other year. Sure. Why not? Get it ready. It's going to happen. Save somebody else from doing it. Alma and I put her tombstone up. I'm not saying you have to. I'm just saying I did. 
Engraved in it, I have kept the faith. Now I got it engraved in granite that I have to keep the faith. <laughs> Intend to keep the faith. By God's grace, we all can keep the faith. But God has to be central in our life. We have to trust that God is going to deal with us in our fallibility, in our weakness. He said, trust me. As a child trusts a father, as David trusted God when he took that slingshot and he put it in the air with a stone in it and he whirled it around his head and he swung that stone and it took Goliath down. Who would have thought anything could have happened with a measly little slingshot and a stone? But it did. Why? Because David trusted that God meant what he said, that his name was to be honored and hallowed, and these people were ridiculing him, ridiculing the God of Israel, ridiculing the Israelites. Can you trust a God who has done work on your behalf to this point? Can you trust him for the future? You don't trust people because there's been evidence they're not trustworthy. But you do trust people because they have shown they're trustworthy. Trust has to be built. God has done something to show himself strong on our behalf. But yet, why is it then that we are worrying about our food, our clothing, our houses? What might happen tomorrow? Maybe you're experiencing deep pain and grief and hardships right now. Those are real. Don't say they're not. They're real. Sometimes even the hardships and pain run so deep that we have a hard time understanding if God is still there. People are losing faith in God because they say, I'm seeing all this evil that's going on around us. Brothers and sisters, the only way evil is going to be gone out of this world if God removes us all. Because every one of us has the potential to do some dastardly things. Every one of us has the opportunity to sin against each other and mankind. Do you want that anxiety to overtake you about that pain, about that grief, about that hardship? An atheist. How's an atheist going to explain why they're suffering? He has no explanation as to why they're suffering. But the Christian knows why they're suffering because of sin. Now we say, why did the little baby die with cancer? Why did the little baby have to be killed in a war? I can't answer all of that. But I know that God made the world perfect and man messed it up. And every one of us has messed up. 
I talk to some callers and they say, Dale, I never sinned. You know what my next question is? Gently as I can, did you ever experience guilt? Well, yeah, I experienced guilt. Oh. Well, what's that tell you? Well, yeah. Okay, so we all have sin that comes short of the glory of God. We've all experienced guilt. We've all experienced shame. We all experienced fear. What's that mean? That means we all are imperfect. And we have a sense of responsibility to a higher being. Can we trust that higher being? Take no thought, in verse 22, says, don't worry. Don't be anxious. Don't be troubled. Don't be uneasy. You know, there's some things in life that we can change. But there's some things in life we can't change. And the Bible says you can't change your height. So I guess I was just supposed to get these six foot two. I don't know. I don't believe it was my daddy's spanking that made me get six foot two. I think I was supposed to be six foot two. We can't change who we were born to, what country we were born in. We can't, we can't change many things in our life, but we sure get upset about them or worry about them instead of trusting that God knew before we were born the very hairs on our head. He knew all the, the things that he was going to put in us, the abilities. In Psalm 139, it says it. He knew all about us. He made you differently than somebody else. He made us all different because he needed all of us. Can you trust that God's taking you through experiences of life because he wants to use you in your refined state? Whatever you face, take no thought. Doesn't mean that you don't think about it, but he's saying don't worry about it. Don't be anxious and troubled and uneasy about all of that. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Worry and anxiety are the devil's tactics to destroy us. Worry and doubt rob our joy. And they keep us from going on, taking the next step. We're still back here. Our tension's diverted. Maybe when we worry, it reveals that our priorities need to be adjusted. The next time you lay awake at night, ask yourself the question, Am I worrying about something? Can I change this or can't I change this? Is this thing I'm worrying about too important to me? Do I need an adjustment of my priorities? And then remember, this anxiety is a call for us to pray. And you know when we pray. You know when we really pray? Sure you do. When the troubles abound, when we don't know which way to turn, when we're in a hot spot, 
That's when we really pray. We pray other times, I trust. But we really pray when we're at the end of our own rope. If we don't pray, it shows a lack of faith, a faith in God. What is your view of God anyway? Is God all-knowing? Is God all-powerful? Is God everywhere present? Is God a loving God? Is God a just God? Our view of God affects how we live. When we understand God, our life comes in line with God's will. When we fully understand things in the physical sense, we put our life in line with that understanding. What we think about, what we know and what we think about really affects who we become. As ye think, so are you. And the Bible speaks in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 to bring our thoughts into captivity because what we let run around in our mind will cause us to act. It will cause us to move in a direction of those thoughts. The real you is what you think about, what you meditate upon regularly. Is it the news and politics? Is it money and possessions? Is it lust of the flesh, the sensual things? Is it the pride of life, power and position? Is it, is it spiritual growth? Is it desire to know one more nugget from God today? One more promise to claim from God's word today. As a Christian, we should aim to have the mind of Christ. When we became a Christian, it says, old things passed away, behold, all things become new. That means our focus is different. When I was unsaved, I was headed toward hell. I was marching to Satan's drumbeat, and I was moving toward eternal damnation. My thoughts were all focused on the horizontal. But when Jesus came in and convicted me of my sin, and I repented of those sins, that turned me around. And our focus is on heaven. And we continue on this journey of life with this as being our goal. And yes, as we go this goal toward heaven, we're going to trip. There's going to be times we're going to fall. Just like when you're driving, sometimes you have a flat tire. But that doesn't keep us from going toward heaven. When you have a flat tire, you get out the little dinghy in there, if it has one. Some of the new ones don't even have them anymore. You get it and you put it on, and then you turn around and you go back home, right? No, you fix it and you keep on your journey. We're not
But the reality is that you and I sitting here tonight, if we have begun the journey with the Lord Jesus Christ and have a goal to continue the journey, he will help us to grow in that knowledge, that spiritual understanding. What is your view of God? It makes a difference. It makes a difference. What your view is of sin makes a difference. Is it something that I need to bring out and to expose? Or is it something I'm going to keep hidden? This passage says, take no thought for your life. But then in verse 31, he says, seek the kingdom of God. That's what we're doing. We're seeking the kingdom of God. Fear not, little flock. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's a little hard to understand, isn't it? But he said, when he came, when Jesus came to this earth, he says, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Meaning that he wanted to give us a different way of living, a different king to serve, and we have the opportunity to do that. Do we trust God to lead us? In a week of revival meetings, sometimes there are people that have super sensitive consciences. Some of you know about that, I'd imagine. And there are some people that don't seem to have a conscience at all. They do, but they don't seem like they let it work. I'd rather see a super sensitive conscience this week than no conscience at all. But remember this week that when God speaks to us, he gives us specifics. If there's something we need to work on this week, he will specifically address that with you. You need to turn from your pride. Or you need to turn from telling big stories and exaggerating. Or you need to turn from whatever it is, he will specifically name it for you. Satan wants you to feel like you just can't live up. And he wants to say, you're bad. And in generalities, make us feel like oh, we just never could be a Christian. That's a lie. The Holy Spirit will teach you exactly, teach us exactly what we need to correct. So we're here to encourage each other this week. We're here to help each other to see what God's word says and to change what we can change and to understand that he's there to help us, to trust him to help us in this. This passage of scripture we often use in talking about material things versus spiritual things. And that's great. That's super. But as I was meditating on this passage of scripture, this thing of worry, this thing of not trusting God, this thing of being of little faith, as verse 28 said, just struck me and stood out and say, where is it that I don't trust God when he's been faithful today? and the days before. Why can't I trust him for the future? I'm going to seek the kingdom of God. I'm going to let him give us the kingdom. 
give us the things that he has intended for his children. He says in scripture, from glory to glory, he's changing us into his likeness. Do you want to grow more into the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ? Then the things that Satan, or the things that Jesus spoke about, we're going to have to take them seriously. If we want to be a Christian, we're going to say we're a Christian, we're going to have to do what Jesus teaches. We're going to have to do what he asks us to do. And we should do it with joy. Because the Christian experience is one of great joy when we are right with God. If we have things that are hidden in our life, tell somebody so they can pray with you, so you can find peace in your life. Let us be honest with each other this week. Let us pray that God would just minister to our hearts and would really trust that God is going to give us the kingdom. Let's read again, starting in verse 28. If then God so clothed the grass which is today in the field, tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. For rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I'd like to turn back to Psalm 18. In Psalm 18, we have a beautiful, beautiful writing here of the trust that we can have in God. And it's a choice. Psalm 18. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust. Again, I said to use, this world has nothing to offer. Nothing lasting. Nothing that we can find to fill up that hole that God placed within us. That hole can only be filled by God himself. My buckler and the horn of my salvation, my high tower, I will call upon the Lord. I will is a choice. In verse 6, in my distress I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice. Do you believe that God hears your voice? That he hears your plea? Yes. If I regard iniquity in my heart, no, he won't hear that unless I'm repentant of it. But if I am seeking him, he will hear my voice. Goes in and speaks about how he created the, the earth and the heavens and all of that. Verse 17. He delivered me from my strong enemy. From them which hated me, for they were too strong for me. They prevented me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. He brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. 
the Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. Not that our righteousness was what saved us. No, it didn't. But because we have taken on the blood of Jesus, we have put on the robe of his righteousness, we are counted clean. Brothers and sisters, when he cleans us up, he does it right. I don't know how blood takes away sin, but neither do I know how water quenches thirst. I just know it does. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from sin, and the psalmist says he makes us whiter than snow. Did you know that every snowflake has a particle of dust in the center of it? <clears throat> that it didn't form unless it found a particle of dust to form around. So when he says he's made you whiter than snow, that means that there's not even a speck of yesterday left in you. It's not held against you. It's washed away by the precious blood of Jesus. Praise God for that. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. We need the cross. We need to keep coming back to the cross. Another scripture says that he takes our sins as far as the east is from the west. He didn't say north to south. Because there's an end to going north. You can go to the North Pole. You can go to the South Pole. Then you can't go north anymore. Or you can't go south anymore. But east to west, he's taken our sin forever gone. You get an airplane and you can travel east as long as you want to travel east. You come down in fuel and you can go east again. You can keep traveling east. Or you can go west and travel west. That's how far our sin is taken away. To be remembered no more. He is desiring to give you and me the kingdom. To show us what life is supposed to be lived like. He wants to give the power by his Holy Spirit. To change us into his likeness. I trust God to do that. I'm trusting God to continue to do a work. I'm trusting God to bring good out of the things that look like their mistakes or evil. Because God knows what's going to happen next. Right? Don't fear the bad news. God is the source of our courage. Let God make the way. God is with you. God keeps his word. But we need to know what it is. That's why we're here. We need to know what it is. When we're afraid, turn to God, pray. We can't trust in things, but we can trust in God. He's proven faithful. God is the God of promises, and God is the the. God of provision. We only have to look at the children of Israel as they wandered through the 40 years in the desert. Look at the provisions he gave for them. Did he give them the food they needed? Yep. Did he give them the shoes that they needed? Yep. They lasted all that time. 40 years. Gave them water they needed. He brought them into the promised land. 
Life is full of troubles. We get our eyes off of God, and we can't see any good, and that's why people stand on the edge of the bridge and they're ready to jump off. But we have to show people that there's a God, and that God is there to help them and to bring them along, and there's that universal invitation for all to be saved. He doesn't force it on anyone, he invites. And he gives us that universal hope. And hope of eternity with him. The abundant life here now, but the eternity with him as well. Let's pray. Father, at the beginning of these meetings, we're going to just tell you that we're choosing to trust you. We ask you to search our hearts. Try us. See if there be any wicked way in us and lead us in the way everlasting. Heavenly Father, we want your spirit to have free course. We pray as we go to our beds tonight that we would think about where life has been, the things we've been anxious about, the things we've been really afraid about, maybe even some of the shame and guilt that we haven't taken care of. We haven't taken care of the sin Help us to take care of that, Lord. Help us to remember the invitation to come. Come. Jesus is inviting us to come. Come. I want to help you. Lord, forgive us for those times when we don't come. When we don't pray. When we run the other way. Bless those with sensitive consciences this week. Help them, Lord, to remember you will speak to them in specifics. And if they don't have a specific, they should be at peace. Heavenly Father, your word is precious. It stood the test of time. And it is what we'll be judged by. So, Lord, we pray that it would be our guide and that we would take it seriously and that we would let you be honored in our life. Bless this congregation of people. Bless these people, Lord. Give them what they need to take the next step in their spiritual journey. And may we, we together remember that someday you will gather us to be at the foot of the throne to sing praises unto the Lamb. Oh, what a day. May we each be ready. In Jesus' name, amen.